My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you enjoy this message. the Lord. He is worthy of all the praise and all the worship. Hallelujah. Jesus, we praise you this morning. We bless your name. We lift you up, Lord. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be lifted up. We give you thanks and praise. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for what you've done for us, O oh God. We bless your Praise God. Our God is great, worthy of all the praise. No matter where you are this morning, you can bless the name that is above every name. How wonderful a Savior. How great a Savior. I don't think our words can describe our great Savior this morning. We give God all the praise and thanks. I know it would be much better for you to be with us here in person this morning. But you know we can worship the Lord. We can lift him up no matter where we are. But one day soon, church, one day soon, we'll be able to come as the psalmist said. I was glad when they said unto me, let us. It won't just be a few, but we're going to come back together into the house of the Lord. And we're going to lift up the name of Jesus together. I'm looking forward to that day. And I know all of you are waiting for that moment where we say, come on, next Sunday, everybody, let's get to the house of the Lord. We are expecting just a mighty move of the Holy Ghost. We may not leave once we get here. (laughs) How wonderful will that be? Turn your attention this morning to Luke chapter 24. The Apostle Paul called Luke the beloved physician, and I think we need to hear what the doctor has to say this morning. So let's look at the words of Luke, Luke 24. We're going to begin reading at verse 4. It's the first day of the week, the Bible says, and early in the morning, the women came with spices that they had prepared. What they found was a stone rolled away. They looked in. And they couldn't see the body, did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And in verse 4, And it came to pass that they were much perplexed thereabout, and behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was in Yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to the rest. 
What is amazing to me is, is that the angels themselves did not encourage these women. They weren't encouraged by the stone rolled away. They weren't encouraged that Jesus' body wasn't there. It wasn't until the angel said, remember how he spake unto you. What brought hope in the moment was not the miraculous setting. It was not what was witnessed there by the women, but what happened in that moment was the angel said, you need to remember how Jesus spoke unto you. You need to remember his word because nothing else matters except the word of Jesus. It's the only thing that truly matters. And the Bible says that they remembered his word. And when they remembered his word, that's when they left that place. And this morning, I want to encourage the church. I want to encourage each and every one of you to remember his words. Let's just pray a moment right now. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness today and your mercy. This is the day, Lord, yet another day we celebrate your resurrection. We celebrate what you have done. Not only what you've done, but what you have provided for us. We thank you for it. We praise you. Would you speak this morning, Lord, and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is the foundation for our hope. It's confirmation that all that Jesus spoke while he walked the earth was fulfilled. In Matthew 12 and 40, Jesus told them that for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus told them in Mark 8 and 31, he began to teach them, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. In verse 32, the Bible tells us that he spake that saying openly. In other words, Jesus told them plainly. It was not hidden, but he declared the fact that he would need to die, that he would be crucified, that he would be killed, but he would rise again. He spake that saying openly, and at that particular moment, Peter began to rebuke him, and Jesus had to set Peter straight. Mark 9 and 31, Jesus taught his disciples, saying, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men. They shall kill him. And after he is killed, he shall rise the third day. It wasn't just one time in the scripture. It wasn't just one moment Jesus said it and it was hidden or it was concealed. But Jesus said it a number of times in the gospel. And it was something he wanted his people to hold to and to understand. In verse 32 of Mark 9, Jesus said, or the Bible tells us, that they couldn't understand that saying. And they were afraid to even ask 
him what it really means. Jesus said this is what was going to happen. But let me remind you that even though it looks bad, even though it's not what you expect, I'm going to rise again on the third day. What's amazing to me is this, is that his people had a hard time not only remembering it, but believing it. When you look at Matthew 27 and 63, the chief priests and scribes, the Pharisees, told Pilate, they said, Sir, we remember that this deceiver said while he was alive, after three days I will rise again. How amazing it is that the disciples, the followers of God, they had a hard time remembering. I'm not saying the Pharisees believed it. They thought they would steal the body. But they were able to say after Jesus died, we remember what he said, that three days something was going to happen. And, and on that third day, he was going to rise again. Now, we don't believe he's going to rise, but we remember what he said. Church, we need to remember what God has declared. We need to remember what his word has given us. Not only what the word declares, but remember everything that God has spoken to you. Remember every promise that God has given. Don't let go of the promise. You might be in a dark valley right now, but don't let go of the promise. Listen, if he gave the promise, he can and he will fulfill that promise. Jesus said, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. He promised that he would do it, and he certainly showed us that he did it. His promise was fulfilled, and that's what we celebrate today, that Jesus, he fulfilled his very word that says that he would rise again. It's promise fulfilled. It's a story like no other story. It's a story that all the world needs to hear. There's nothing like the gospel message of Jesus Christ. There's no other story that's of more importance than the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you want something to read, if you you want something to declare I say declare the word of the Lord declare that good news the gospel of Jesus Christ it's the only one that matters if you want hope it's the gospel if you want hope it's that death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ Paul said in Corinthians 1 Corinthians 15 but if there's no resurrection of the dead Christ is not risen. If Christ is not risen, our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain also. He said, yea, we are even found false witnesses of God because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not. And if Christ is not raised, your faith is in vain, and you're yet in your sins. But the good news is our faith is not in vain. The good news is we're not still yet in our sins. The good news is, is that Jesus has risen from the dead. Our faith is not in vain. He's alive today, and he's available to whosoever will. He's available to anyone that would call upon his name. Take that time today to call upon the Lord. He will fulfill his word. There are many that promise goods and services today and programs that guarantee some sort of benefit from their product or program or service. Oftentimes these, these things fall short of what they truly say they can do. Many in our world today are looking for something that really is life-changing, that really can transform their lives. 
Many things have let them down, but let me encourage you by the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is that gospel that can truly transform your life. Those that have found it to be true can testify of how God has transformed their lives. And Paul told the church at Rome, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone, not just some, not just to a select group, but he said that gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. If you choose to believe this morning, that transforming power of the gospel can transform your life today. It would be a wonderful thing if you've never obeyed the gospel, if you've never been born again of the water and of the spirit, that today you said, today's my day. I'm tired of this life I'm living. I'm tired of this that I'm living with. I'm tired of this depression. I'm tired of this weight of sin. I'm tired of this life that has no hope. I want something more than this life has to offer. And what you need to hear this morning is that good news that Jesus gave us. It's the power of his word. Paul said there's life-changing power. There's power that comes through the word of God. Do you desire that life-changing power? Are you okay with things that continually let you down? I want to say right now that Jesus will never let you down. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Paul said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Whole things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. What an opportunity, what a privilege it is that you and I, with all the frailties and the weakness of this flesh, that we can come to God, and he says, I'll take that old creation, I'll take that old nature, I'll take your old life, and I'll transform that life into something new. What an opportunity it is uh, that we can come to God in all of that, and he says, look, uh, I'll transform into something greater than you could even imagine. I'll make it all pass away and let it all become something new. You have an opportunity to walk in the newness of life. How powerful that is. What is impossible with man is possible with God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, and I'm not ashamed of my hope in him. I'm going to say that one more time. I'm not ashamed of my hope in him. You may look foolish today trusting in the Lord. You may look foolish today believing in his word. You may look foolish in this hour trusting in God, but I'm not ashamed of my hope in him. I found a hope that I have needed. I found a hope that nothing else compares to. Paul said, it's a hope that maketh not ashamed. Why, it's the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were without strength in due time, when we were without strength in due time, when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man one will die, but yet peradventure a good man some would even dare to die. But God commandeth his his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for 
us while we were yet sinners. Would you take a moment right now and thank him that even in the midst of our sin, even in the midst of our hopelessness, we had a message, we had an opportunity that he's already, a price he's already paid that we can be saved. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name for that wonderful promise. What a transformation that can happen. What an opportunity we have. Remember the word of God. Call it upon your life. Remember it. Declare it. Write it. Keep that word hidden in your heart. I'm looking for that blessed hope. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of my hope in God. And that hope is causing me to look for something great. And that's the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. While the world is looking down, while others are looking uh, pessimistic at the world and pessimistic at their own lives and scared even of their own shadow today, I'm not looking down. I'm not depressed. I'm not cast down. I'm not looking at things negatively, but I've got a blessed hope. I've got a blessed hope. I'm going to see the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the one who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. What a God that we are looking for. It's a blessed hope. Church, don't lose that looking for that blessing, blessed hope. That's what we're looking for, that blessed hope. Peter described that blessed hope this way. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God not only is the author of your life, he's the author of your new life that he has given you. When you are born again, listen, he's the author. He's the finisher of your faith. He can complete that work in your life. That kind of hope that Peter described and that hope that the Bible tells us about, that blessed hope, listen, it's an experience. It's something that's lively. It's something that's active. It's not something that is dormant or dead, but that hope is alive in us. In other words, he said, because of that resurrection, because of the power of that resurrection, and what Jesus did. It's a kind of hope that is an inheritance that's incorruptible. It's undefiled and fadeth not away. It's reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. That's the kind of hope I'm going to hold on to. That's the kind of word that I'm going to keep in my life. That's the kind of word that I'm going to cling to in this hour. Why? Because that kind of hope is the anchor for my soul. It's the anchor that keeps me in the midst of the storm. It's the anchor that holds me when the world is spinning uncontrollably. It's that anchor that keeps me settled. I don't have to awaken in the middle of the night and wonder what am I going to do. No, no, no. If I happen to wake up, I know his arm are around me. If I wake up, I know I've got the comfort of his word. Lord, I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to put my faith in you. I'm not going to be tossed about, but Lord, I'm going to trust in you. It's the power of God's word. It's the power of remembering what he has said. In Luke chapter 24, when those women came to the tomb of Jesus to minister to his dead body, these women, they were good. They were faithful. But as they approached that tomb, you can understand that 
Something was lost. Something that they hoped for was gone. It was that messianic hope. It was that desire that Jesus would remove that oppression that they've been dealing with of the Roman government and that this would be the hour, the moment that all of those prophecies would come to pass. And you look at their lives and in that moment, they just had a form, a tradition. It was a memory. Jesus was now gone. They no longer had their minds on a living Jesus. He was, he was out of their lives now. But those daily words that he spoke to them for the three and a half years that Jesus ministered to them, those words challenged them. It encouraged them and it fed them. I cannot un underemphasize this enough, but when those people heard Jesus speak, he was telling them things that they thought were impossible. But not only was he telling them things that were, they thought were impossible, he was demonstrating to them that what I say will come to pass. Those who were blind, they had their eyes opened. Those who were lame, guess what? Jesus was healing them. Those who were even dead, Lazarus, Jesus was calling them back out from the grip of death and saying, I am the resurrection and the life. When they heard what Jesus had to say, it gave them hope that, listen, they, their lives can be so much more than they were. The miracles that Jesus showed them were on display. It showed them his power. The old religious system had nothing to offer them but more rules and more things they couldn't follow. They, they felt so inadequate to do anything for God. But Jesus showed up and he said, not only can you do things, not only can you live right, not only can you live according to the word, but I, I could show you that you could experience the miraculous, that you could experience a mighty work in your life. If you look at these women as they approach the tomb, perhaps those words of he saved others but couldn't save himself were in their hearts and minds. Perhaps they were thinking this really wasn't the one they were looking for. But we know that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. That he raised his own body from the dead. He was and is alive. The angels questioned the women and say, why seek the living among the dead? Jesus offers us himself as the living God. The angel said, look, he's not here. He's alive. And I say this morning, he's alive. And there's none like him. Don't look for him among the dead things of this life. But if you'll open this book, if you'll open this ancient book, if you'll open the word of God, if you'll begin to read it and seek him, I believe if you'll seek him with all of your heart, you will find this living Christ. You can find it from his word. His word is alive and it is powerful. The angel said, he's not here. He's risen. The angel himself, witnessing that for the women, it wasn't enough for them to run back and tell the disciples that Jesus is gone, everything's okay. It, it amazes me that the angel had to say, nothing I say is going to make a difference. So let me declare what will make a difference. I want you to go, but I want you to remember how Jesus spake unto you. And when the angel said that, 
all of a sudden in their hearts and minds, now it's not all this other stuff that's going on, which is great. It's miraculous and such. But now they're saying, wait, what did Jesus say? And now I'm witnessing exactly what he declared. He said he would be delivered into the hands of sinful men. He said he would be crucified and rise again on the third day. We just looked in that empty tomb and he's not there. That stone's rolled away. And certainly all that Jesus said and the angel said he's not here. Don't seek the living among the dead. All that he said when they remembered now they said we've got to leave here because we've got a word to share. It was the power of Jesus' word. It was already in their heart, but they needed something to bring that word to pass in their hearts and minds. It took an angelic word, if you will, but that wasn't something outside of God's will or God's message. It was Jesus' words themselves that made the difference. And I say this morning... It's the word of Jesus that's going to make the difference. Don't look to anyone or anything else to lift you up out of what you're in this morning. Don't look to any organization or government or program or system that will lift you up out of what you're in this morning. The only thing that can deliver you, the only thing that can set you free, the only thing that can transform your life is the truth of the word of God. Luke 24 Continuing on with that chapter, the disciples, their hope was gone. The women witnessed this miraculous event, and they, and they, they hear what the angels have to say. They remember the words of Jesus, but it seems like there are those disciples that decided for one reason or another to head back home to Emmaus, a, a village that's seven miles west of Jerusalem. They begin their journey and they begin as we do, and you go on a long journey, you begin to talk to one another and, 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 and begin to go through maybe what your, what your uh, life is like and what's going on. But their whole discussion was not about anything other than what had just happened in Jerusalem. They were talking together of all these things that had happened, the Bible said. It's the trial, the crucifixion of Jesus, all that came to pass. But while they were talking and reasoning among themselves, Jesus drew near. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus draws near and goes with them on this journey. And their eyes were holding that they shouldn't know him. Jesus to them was just another traveler on the road with them to Emmaus. And Jesus began to question them, what manner of communications are these that you have one to another and you walk and you are so sad? Jesus was saying, what's going on? Why are you so without hope? What has you so upset? What has you so miserable, if you will? Jesus was trying to say, hey, what's the point of all of this? Everything they talked about was bringing them further and further down. Everything they discussed, their hopes being dashed about what they thought would happen, it was bringing them further and further down. There was not one reason between two men to have any hope. Not one reason could be found. Not one reason could be found. But Jesus shows up and begins to stir them and say, why are you so sad? They said, well, we hope that, this, we hope that it was he that was going to redeem Israel. We, we had a hope that this Jesus was going to be the one that we were looking for. Listen, God's plans were bigger than their plans. 
God's ways are higher than our ways, and certainly they thought what Jesus was going to do, they thought it was going to happen at that time, but Jesus said, what's going on? They said, look, we thought what we hoped for is no longer there. Listen, he said in verse 22 in Luke 24, he said, certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And they found not his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. They were still walking out of Jerusalem. They were still walking away, going back to Emmaus. They're still sad after a testimony that said he's alive. He's not in that tomb. There was a a miraculous visitation. He's not there. Listen, what would cause them to walk away? What would cause them to ignore that word that said he is alive? It's amazing that they still chose not to believe what was said. They even declared what those women said, that the angel said he is alive. Certain of them which went with us, they said, to the sepulchre, found it even so. They had verification. We even have witnesses that went there and they found it exactly as the women said, but they didn't see Jesus. Even after what they heard from the women, it didn't spark any hope in them. Even after they heard someone's testimony, it just didn't do something in their hearts and minds. They had buried their hope. They had buried their hope in that tomb. They had buried any hope that Jesus was the one they were looking for. And today, like many people, they have buried their hope because they believe that something didn't happen the way they thought it should happen. But let me just spark that hope this morning, not by my wisdom or words. It's not anything that I can say. Listen, Jesus still is the resurrection and the life. There's reason to hope today. There's reason to have hope. Why? Because Jesus will draw nigh unto you even when they're without hope. The only answer to hopelessness is the word of God. None of the testimonies move this men. It wasn't until Jesus spoke. <laughs> Keep waiting on the miraculous. Keep waiting on the signs. Keep waiting on all these other external things. And I'm not saying those things are bad, but I'm not putting my hope in those things. I'm putting my hope in the word of the Lord. When Jesus began to speak to them, it began to create a fire in their hearts. They couldn't pinpoint it. They, they couldn't figure it out because, remember, he had concealed himself. But while he talked, something was beginning to well up in their hearts and their minds. said, oh, this feels so familiar. This has a comfort level in it that, that, that I just can't put my hand on yet. And I can't remember how I felt this way before. But I can tell you, they felt that way when they listened to Jesus. They felt that way when they heard him before. But, but now as Jesus began to speak, that fire is beginning to burn again in their hearts. And now they're saying, we don't know your Jesus yet. Remember, he's concealed. They say, look, stay with us and keep talking to us. You know what Jesus was doing? When they were looking for, for every reason to be sad, Jesus was 
was fanning the fire and going, no, 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 no. You don't have any reason to continue to be depressed. I'm still alive. I'm still alive. I fulfilled my word. I did exactly what I said I was going to do. Don't let your hope die. Don't let your hope die. Believe in me and believe in my word. Jesus began to fan that word. Listen in their hearts and their hearts began to burn. Why? Because it's not the miraculous. It's not the signs. But it is the word of Jesus that will bring a fire into your heart. And if you need to be restored today, you can be restored by the power of the word of God. If you need new life, that new life can come by the power of the word of the Lord. If you need transformation, if you need healing, if you need deliverance, you can have that right now in the name of Jesus. I just feel the Holy Ghost has just moved into this place. And where you are listening right now, would you take a moment and just lift your hands and receive that word. There's nothing like the word of Jesus. There's nothing like his word. Let it speak to your heart. Let it deliver you right now. Let him heal your body right where you are in the name of Jesus. That's it. Take a moment right now and just call on the name of the Lord. Lord, I may have let go of your word, but Lord, it's beginning to burn again in my heart. It's beginning to burn again in my mind. I needed to hear your word this morning, Lord, because I know your word is true. When everything else is falling around me, Lord, I can hold to the power of your word. Hallelujah. What a word of the Lord. Jesus said, look, it's, it's my word. It's what you need. It's what's going to lift you up. It's what's going to help you in this hour. Don't let go of the word, church. And all that you're doing today, I, I say, don't let go of the word. Pastor says, don't let go of your devotion, your, your rule of five. Don't let it go. Listen, more than ever before, we need to hear the word of the Lord. Turn the media off. <laughs> Turn it off for a while and get yourself back into the word of the Lord. He hasn't changed. He hasn't canceled his promises. They're still true. When you listen, Jesus will speak to you. If you'll open your heart, he'll begin to bring that hope back to the surface something that's been buried, that hope can come back. The disciples had something amazing after they realized who it was that was with them. They were no longer focused upon their heartache and, and dismay about what happened to Jesus in Jerusalem. Now they had that personal visitation. And the Bible says that very hour they returned to Jerusalem to exclaim to all the others, the Lord is risen indeed. The Lord is risen indeed. He did what he said he was going to do. When they got back to Jerusalem, they told everybody, yes, he did exactly what he said he was going to do. And that's my message this morning. The Lord is risen indeed. Last week during my daily devotion, it was a moment in that time of devotion that I came across Psalm 33. And I'll focus in on verse 18 here for a moment as I close. But the Bible said, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him 
upon them that hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart trusteth or shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. When I read that psalm, when I got to where the psalmist said, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him. I, well, I didn't feel in that morning anxious. I didn't feel depressed. I didn't feel stressed out or anything like that. I wasn't necessarily worried about anything. But when I read that psalm, there was a peace that came into my office and surrounded me. It was so hard. I don't know if I can adequately describe it, but when I read that the eye of the Lord, and I put it in my devotion, his eye is upon me. I felt so assured, so confident that the one who created me, the one who created everything, he was looking out for me. In the midst of this crazy world, the Lord's eye is upon me. He said to deliver and to keep them. And we could go through all of that. But what I felt like was I've got a heavenly father that if there's anything that I need, he's already got his eye on me and he knows exactly what I need. So as I close right now, the only way I can describe it, my two-year-old daughter, Elise, she doesn't like bears. She's got a problem with bears. And she hears me talking about bears right now, so she's listening now. There's no bears in here. I don't know where she got this fear of bears. It may have been a trip to the mountains we made, and we talked of seeing bears. But she wants to make sure, Daddy, there's no bear here. I'll tell her, no, there's no bears here. But sometimes when I want her to listen, I'll tell her about some bears that are hanging around. Maybe that's not good parenting, but, you know, I just mention that here and there when I need to adjust her course of action. But there's something that she will do. <laughs> when she's concerned about bears, she'll say, Daddy, you tech me. And what she's trying to say is you protect me. I said, yeah, baby, I teched you. I'm not going to let any bear get you. And within my power, I'll keep every evil thing and everything hurtful away from you and away from my family as best I can. But when I felt that presence of peace that came upon me, I felt what it must be like for my own daughter to realize I don't have to worry about any bears. My dad's got it all taken care of. And you know what? So much more than what we can do, we have a heavenly father who has his eye upon us, and he can deliver you, church. No matter what comes your way, 
He can set you free. He can deliver you. And I want you to know this morning that if you'll remember his word, it'll begin to lift your heart. It will begin to increase that hope in your life. And know, just like those disciples did on the way back to Jerusalem, you can declare, he is risen indeed. Would you take a moment right now and thank the Lord Jesus. Thank you this morning for your wonderful presence today. Thank you for what you're doing among us, Lord. I pray your strength and blessings upon your people. Everything that they're battling today, Jesus, we pray that you would bless them, that you would encourage them by the power of your word. Jesus, I'm asking you that you would minister, that you would have your way. Strengthen us as your people in this hour. We will continue to hold your word, and we will place our trust in you. It's better to place our trust in you, Lord, than put confidence in anything else in this life. May the blessings of the Lord be upon us today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.